Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here this morning. I know, uh, again, we're throwing you a curve and having uh, Tim do the music and me teach, but uh, don't panic. It's, it'll, it'll get back to normal, normal next week, but I appreciate Tim giving me the chance to talk about worship. Uh, I know probably most of you know me, but if you're visiting or new, my name's Brian Bliss, and I'm um, the worship pastor here, have been almost for eight years. I can't believe how much it's flying by, but um, if we talk about a recap of last week. We started this topic of worship, and specifically last week we talked about why we worship. And we saw in Mark 12, 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And we began to see that it's an all-of-life response to the forgiveness we have received through the gospel. It's a, a response to who He is to what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And we talked about some of the various amazing attributes of God. We talked about him being the creator. We saw some of those Hubble telescope pictures of the amazing universe that God has created. We talked about him being our protector and our shelter. He's our savior. And he's a God who hears us, who hears our prayers. I also challenged you with the thought that I was, uh, as I was processing that message, I I was talking about the fact that we need to be in awe of God. As I read that book and began to see the, the correlation between our worship and our awe for God. And it needs to be something that, that takes place from the time that we get up in the morning to the time that we go to bed at night and being honest with ourselves on whether the things in our lives that we are in awe of are pointing us to God or do they point us away from God? We should grow our awe each day by being intentional and looking for Him and for His amazing attributes each day. And then the final point we kind of made was the starting point for becoming a worshiper is that point in your life where you become a Christian. When you call on Christ to save you, That's when you start your relationship with Christ and become a worshiper. So if it's based on relationship, like we looked looked at last week, let's, let's state the obvious. Relationships take time and effort, right? That's not certainly anything that's earth shattering to you. You guys know this, but for some reason... When we talk about spiritual relationships and our our relationship with God, we, for some reason, think that that doesn't apply or something. But the reality is it's, it's just like a friendship or a marriage. It takes time and effort in order to grow the relationship with God. So today we're going to look at some of those practical aspects of how we worship. What are the necessary things that we do individually as well as corporately to grow our relationship with God so that we can worship Him in spirit and in truth like we saw when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And He says that the, the Father is seeking those who will worship Him in, in spirit and in truth. And I think if I could just talk in, in general as we get started, one of the things that stands out to me so much in Scripture is that it's a matter of our heart. 
you know, when you talk to a lot of people about church or spiritual things, you'll hear the comment, ah, I don't like religion, uh, not inter- interested in religion or come to church. There's a lot of hypocrites, to which I had a friend that used to respond, you know, there really are a lot of hypocrites at church, but come join us. We have room for one more. <laughs> well, the truth is we are all messed up. We are all messed up. And it's only by the grace of God that we try to step this life out. But it's interesting to see in Scripture that God doesn't really like religion either. He, is, he wants our heart. He wants our relationship, not the religious hypocrisy that sometimes we create or go through. So let's be clear about that importance of our heart. I did a study. It's, it's been many, many years ago, but I actually printed off every time that I saw the word heart appear in the Bible. And depending on what version you use, it's between eight to 900 times. Now, clearly, not all of those references are referring to the inner man, which is kind of what I'm referring to here when I talk about our heart. But it is, a, it's a really dominant theme that you see consistently in Old and New Testament, that God wants our hearts. He wants us to truly seek him, to authentically seek him. In fact, that's one of our lines on Uh, that you see is our authentic worship. There's some pretty telling verses where God specifically calls this out. On the nation of Israel, uh, when you look at Isaiah 1, chapter 1, 13, he says, Stop bringing your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. I'm a strong. Later in the verse, he says, I want no more of your pious meetings. You see, lip service without a changed heart is not what God's after. He wants us. He wants our hearts and our relationship. The acts themselves that they were doing, they weren't the issue because God had actually instituted those things. He required those things of them. The issue is how they were performing those things, how they were carrying them out. They didn't have the right heart attitude as they were doing that. And we see the same thing in the New Testament with the Pharisees as Jesus calls out, the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, we see him in verse 28 say, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So every aspect of how we worship should be coming from a place of authenticity and transparency to God, not simply going through the motions or checking a box. And maybe, maybe that's even a question that that we should ask ourselves. When you come in here, do you feel like you're kind of checking a box or as you go through your, you know, your routines throughout the week, do you feel like you're just checking a box or is it really coming from a place of, of heartfelt desire to grow? So let's start with just that, the question. If it's based on relationship, What are you and what are we doing to grow our relationship with God? Well, we clearly see in Scripture, if Jesus obviously is our example, Jesus spent time with the Father, and so should we. There's several places in Scripture where it mentions this, but Mark 135 is is one place. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed Hey, our, our relationship with God is, is no different than any, t- any other type like we talked about. 
The more time you spend with someone, the more time that you share your heart, the more time you hear from them, the more that you get to know them. And the reality is there's no shortcut. You have to spend the time and the effort. And I want to make this other comment too. Our individual worship impacts our corporate worship and, and the same vice versa is true as well. When you're, when you're spending time in the Word and you're, you're growing in your walk, when you come in here, guys, each, each day or each, each time we meet, you're more prepared to give of your worship. It's not just receiving. It's a giving of our worship that He wants. And that same thing is true if you make the time to gather corporally as a body of Christ, which we're instructed to do. When we hear the word taught and we pray together and we sing together and we serve together, it impacts and fills you individually. So then your, your times throughout the week should be stronger as well. In his book, Habits of Grace, David Mathis says there are three key channels or pathways, as he mentions it, that are key to us growing our relationship with Christ. One is God's voice. That's where we hear his word in, in scripture. The second is having God's ear. That's our prayers. And the third is God's people. When we gather corporately to hear from the word and pray and sing and serve. So we're going to look at each, each one of these components briefly. And I would say just to start, if, if you get nothing else other than this first point today, Understand this, there's no single greater thing that you can do that will impact your relationship with God than spending time in his word, period. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And in Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And law in Scripture is, or in the Word, is, it's Scripture. It's talking about Scripture. And I can tell you, if I just were to give you my personal testimony, these last, I guess it's probably been going on 11 years, um, it was in 2005, and there's actually a couple here that was here when we started this. Um, we were attending a church in the Northland, and they decided to start a church plant. And I was asked to lead the music, to volunteer each week to lead the music. And I would say I came to Christ at an, at an early age. My parents are here, which is cool. I'm thankful for the upbringing I had. But if I'm honest, the, the truth is that I had a lot of really going through the motions. I didn't have a deep a deep walk. I mean, I'd have spurts of it, but I didn't really, I didn't spend time growing and really getting hungry. And, and when I, we started this church plant, there was really three things that, that started to happen in my life. The first that was probably the most important was that I started to read through the Bible each year. And if there's a, just a practical thing that I would encourage you to do is just to, if you have a good study Bible and you'll print off 
you can get uh, just a chronological schedule on how to take you through the Bible. If you'll just spend time going through that, it doesn't matter if you do it in, in a year. I, I think of the 10 or 11 years that that's been, maybe I've been through it seven times, but just consistently spending time in the Word will change your life. It's huge. The other thing that I started to do was I was journaling. Yeah, guys, it's not just for girls. We can journal. But I would, I would write down some thoughts as I was studying or I was, as I was reading. And for me, even, it was just, honestly, it was just capturing, capturing things that were going on in my life. And it's so cool now to, to look back a, a few years to get, you know, I usually try to have, uh, you know, a journal that I keep that one particular year. And I can go back and I can talk to my kids or say, man, this is cool. Look at what was going on here. Wow, look at this struggle. And look how God brought us through that. That's really cool. The other thing that was so huge for me, and obviously you know music is a big piece of my life, but I, being focused on worship week in and week out and, and really being focused on specifically worship music and, and having that consistently input into to my life, again, a huge, huge change. I mean, music is powerful. We'll talk about that in a bit, but it's a, it's a powerful thing. And so we have to be intentional about the things that we input into our life. So if you're serious about growing your relationship, then you have to be in his word. You have to be hearing from him. I, I, I thought of this, um, I mentioned this in the second service, but there was a, I had a friend that used to, we'd, we'd get together and he's one of these guys that we would challenge each other, but man, he'd irritate the fire out of me sometime. He would say, I'd start talking about, hey, what do you think about this book that was a book about talking about the Bible. He said, just get in the book. And I felt like he was like, you know, Joe, super Christian, you know, I'm like, man, but the truth that that was so true. It's fine to read books that help us and encourage us and talk about the Bible and help shed light on some things. But the truth is you have to get in the book. You have to spend time in it. Don't, don't allow other things to substitute for your time in the word. The next thing is prayer, having God's ear, as we talked about. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In my ESV study Bible, there are some notes that said, this, that verse, it speaks to an attitude of prayerfulness, a continual personal fellowship with God, and a consciousness of being in his presence throughout each day. I don't know who, who this quote's from, but I like it. It says, the great purpose of prayer is to come humbly, expectantly, and because of Jesus, boldly into the conscious presence of God to relate to him, to talk with him, and ultimately enjoy him as our great treasure. These two spiritual habits, the word and prayer, those are really the foundations if you're, if you're trying to get in better shape physically and you're trying to get healthier, you have, to have, you have to eat right and you have to have some exercise. If you try to do one side of that equation, you're missing a very important piece. That's the same, it's the same with our time in the Word and our time in prayer. Those are the foundational pieces to our, to our growing in our walk. Scripture says, be constant in prayer. I like this comment as well. At the beginning, prayer isn't about getting things from God, but getting God. 
Be constant in prayer, Romans 12, 12. Continue steadfastly in prayer, Colossians 4, 2. And pray without ceasing, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And isn't it interesting that even though Scripture makes it clear that He knows our hearts, He knows our thoughts before we even ask. Matthew 6, 8 says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. But He still wants us to ask. He still wants us to pursue Him, to talk to Him. It's important. And I think the final comment or challenge I'd throw to you around the, the aspect of prayer. And prayer is, this is such a, an important or a challenge for me. Prayer is something that I really, I, I need to get so much better at. And I'm so inconsistent compared to, to other things. But the thought that it's a conversation. If you talk to someone and you get in a, in a conversation, but you're doing all of the talking and you never leave time to hear or you don't listen, that's not really a conversation. That's a, that's a monologue. That's not a dialogue. And the interesting thing is if you leave space for God, he will, he'll talk to you. And by, by that I mean, I don't think there's very many people who say, well, I, I've, you know, yeah, I hear his voice, not in the physical, audible sense, but he will communicate through scripture to you. He will impress things on your mind and in your heart. That are, that, is, that are from him. I, this, this is a great example. I was in quiet time a few months back and I was, I was tr- just trying to study and search out seeking God and hearing from God and what, what that was like. And, and, um, and it was really cool. God, through looking at some of the study notes, I got, ended up pointing to this verse that he, he directed me to. And I would make note of this if I were you. Isaiah 55, 3 says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I, I mean, it's funny how you can go through the word, you know, several times, or you'll look at certain passages, and for whatever reason, man, sometimes something will stand out. I don't ever remember reading that. But man, this time God brought that to mind. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. So time in the word, time in prayer, the two foundational habits. The third one that we wanted to look at was corporate worship, our gathering together. And there's a significance that God places on the church meeting and living out life together. We see it certainly several times in the book of Acts. The early church, they broke bread together, they prayed together, they learned together and shared resources, they suffered together, they attended temple together, and they shared the gospel together. In his book on true worshipers, Bob Coughlin makes this point. True worshipers gather together. We gather to hear the word taught and to pray and to sing and to worship. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In Psalms 111 verse 1, Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all of my heart as I meet with his godly people. Now, there are many additional things that we do on Sundays when we gather that are part of worship. I want to make sure we're clear. It's not just those things I'm talking about. When you are here and you're serving, if you're teaching our kids or you're teaching a class, 
you're worshiping. When we take communion together or we celebrate a baptism, we're worshiping. When we bring our tithes and our offerings, we're worshiping. And we definitely worship as we serve, as we, as we talked about. When we are the hands and the feet of Jesus as we go into the community and serve, that's an opportunity for us to worship. I think of it as we are all on the worship team. You know, some people say, hey, you're on the worship team. It's like It's just what's going on up here with music. We're all on the worship team. And with the remaining time this morning, I want to spend some time talking specifically about music. Obviously, it's a huge component for me in my life. I was raised around it. Our family has thrived and enjoys music. It's an important piece of our life. And it's very powerful. Does this resonate with you guys? When you, you get in your car and you, you can turn on the radio, and I mean within just a few seconds of hearing a particular song, man, you can, it can take you back in time. It can trigger memories it can trigger emotions. It's awesome. How many of you guys, just out of, I know that not everybody's impacted the same way, but how many definitely would say, yeah, I'm a music, I'm a music person. Music impacts me. It's a, it's a huge thing in my life. Yeah, most. How many of you would say, not so much, music isn't really quite as big of a deal? Okay, the three of you need to leave. No. <laughs> no, I, I get that. I get that. We'll, we'll talk about that. But it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. I, a great example of this, I was joking in the earlier services, a couple months back, our staff, the guys on staff, went to Together for the Gospel Conference um, in Louisville, and we had a blast. It was great. We had uh, time to hear some great teaching. We got some great resources, uh, just a great time together and connected. It was, it was excellent time. But as we were leaving the conference, we got in the car, and we're like, man, we gotta hear, let's hear some tunes and we were actually in Melody Fritzen's car because we needed an SUV for the extra space with us guys. And so Tim goes, hey, Melody's actually got a CD holder up there with some mixes that she put together in college. <laughs> yes. And I knew we were in for something when I opened the CD up and I, I, I saw on the outside, she even had apparently a name, like a DJ name or something. It, was, it said Mixie McMixer. That was like her name. And so for the next like two hours... We were transported into like the dimension of Melody Fritzen's music world, and it was unbelievable. We would go from, from some like great worship tune, Hillsong or something, and then we'd go to a, immediately next to some country tune to then some pop tune. I mean, even as we would play like the slow jams, I'm pretty sure I looked back and saw T.A. and Jim. They, they might have had a tear in their eye. I'm not sure. It, <laughs> it was awesome. I had a whole new level of respect for... Melody Fritzen, a.k.a. Mixie McMixer. (laughs) Well, music is powerful. It's powerful. And our worship services, it's powerful too. It has the ability to cut straight to our hearts and challenge us in a way that's different from the teaching of the word or from any other aspect. Music is, is powerful. And we need to realize that not only music as a whole, but our singing is important It's important to God. Look at this awesome verse. If you haven't seen this before, think of this. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He will exalt over you with loud singing. God sings. What does that sound like? 
that's amazing to think about God singing over us. Jesus sings with the disciples after the Last Supper, and most likely each week as he entered and attended the, the synagogue. You can put all these points up on what singing does. It helps us express our hearts to God. It instructs us in the truth of God's word. And guys, we, if, if you've ever come to one of our Exploring LCFs, you hear me talk about this. The lyrics are the key on these songs. I know that depending on where you're, um, where you're coming from and uh, that sometimes the, the, cult, the culture of, of, of our worship service maybe is something that doesn't resonate or, or, or you need to find some place, obviously, where you can connect, where the style of music and so forth is important. But no matter where you go, the important thing is the lyrics, the things that we're singing, those words, they should be pointing us to the gospel. They should be pointing us to Christ, to what he's done for us, for the, to the attributes of God. It helps us express and engage our emotions and it encourages our physical expressiveness. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. There's over 400 references in Scripture to singing. Imagine that. Here's one, Psalms 47.6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. You see, the question isn't, do you have a voice, but do you have a song? And if you're a Christian, you most definitely have a song. You have a song of the redeemed. You've been saved. I like this quote from Bob Coughlin. He says, when it comes to Christians and singing, we have the trained and the passionate, as well as the non-gifted, the unaffected, and the disinterested. I get that, right? Where Some people are not as impacted. But here's the key. It's not about your voice. You say, you haven't heard my voice, obviously. But I like what Harold Best says when he says, singing is not an option for the Christian. No one is excused. Vocal skill isn't the criterion. Not even if you have zero musical ability. And here's the, kind of the key, this, another quote and comment from Coughlin's book. It says, while music speaks to our emotions... Its truth sets us free, not music. Biblical realities are more significant than the melodies we use to sing them. Or more simply put, truth transcends tunes. As we begin to wrap up today, I want to encourage you with one more aspect of worship. And that's how we express our worship physically. And I know, depending on how you were raised, um, even where you were born, um, if, you, if you weren't born in this country, you'll see in different cultures, it's really very amazing how some cultures are so expressive in their worship. It's just part of it's the way they're wired. It's, it's the way they are in their culture. And some that are completely not very conservative, very um, laid back in, in, in terms of being expressive. But I want to encourage you guys today to see the truth of Scripture and that it shows us many ways that we can express our worship and be outwardly expressive and physical. That we see in Psalms especially, bowing or kneeling, the lifting of our hands, clapping our hands, 
shouting, play, uh, playing instruments or dancing, when we stand standing in awe, our expressions that can show a thankfulness we feel, maybe a joy, and we're singing and we're clapping like with Build Your Kingdom or some of those songs, that it can express that joy that we feel. When you kneel or bow, it can express and show a humility that you're feeling for God outwardly. When we raise our hands, it can be an agreement that those lyrics that you're singing are resonating with you, similar to saying yes, I agree with that, Lord. Hey, I'm going to have you just bear with me for the next 45 seconds or a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to have you respond by raising your hand. And then I'm going to have you keep your hand raised. And I want to do something. So if you can hear my voice, raise your hand, right? And keep your hand raised. And I want to, will you sing the chorus of How Great Thou Art With Me? Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. You put your hands down. That's, it's as simple as that, guys. It's really, I don't want it, you know, I don't want it to be forced or to feel awkward for you, but I want you to see that that's all that that is. Maybe it means something different to you. Maybe you're, I see people sometimes like this and almost like receiving what they have and what the Lord has for them. But for me, when I sing that lyric, how great thou art, and if I have my hand raised, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to be clear. There's, there's no, you're not any more spiritual or less spiritual by, by doing that. It's, again, God is looking at our heart. It's not, it's not about what we're seeing and showing, but Scripture is clear. We should be willing to express our worship, as the worship team prepares to sing and as, as we prepare, let me just close with these final comments. As we gather together each week, can we commit to, to coming prepared to give of our worship to our God who is worthy of praise? We often come and we feel like it's more of a receiving. Wow, what can I get today? Come prepared to give of your worship. Let's recognize that it is not about us at all. It's all about Him. And let us exalt His name together because He is worthy of our praise. As we come together, let's exalt His name. Amen? Let's stand and sing. Let's respond with all our hearts in worship together. Let's give our great...